All right. Good evening, everyone. Uh, we shall start tonight's session off with a prayer, and we shall go into a new section as we continue to look into John chapter 6, verses 60 to 71. So we'll finish up John chapter 6, and we'll move on to John chapter 7 after uh, this section. So let's open us, uh, let me open us with a prayer before we start. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Lord, for giving us this chance and this opportunity to read a word from John chapter 6. Lord, may you continue to bless this time. May you grant us your Holy Spirit that we may illumine us, that may illumine us uh, your word, that we may understand it, that we may learn from it, that we may apply it into our lives. Lord, may you continue to help us on our daily journey and our daily pilgrimage towards you, towards the heavenly place that you have promised for us saints, the elects. We submit ourselves into your hands and pray always in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Alright, so before we start off, uh, we shall read together John chapter 6, verses 60 to 71. And today we're going to go through verses 60 to 61. So we'll just go through two verses today. John chapter 6, verses 60 to 71. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that the disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who betrayed him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So shall we read together verses 60 to 61 again, and we shall zoom in to look at these two verses today. John chapter 6, verses 60 to 61. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Now, first of all, when we start off with verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? Who is this group of disciples, first of all? Now, whenever we talk about Jesus' disciples, when we describe Jesus' disciples, we always refer to the 12 apostles that Jesus had. And that is the most common term that we use. However, this is not the case here. Because the disciples that Jesus is mentioning here does not only include the 12. In fact, he singled out the 12 in verse 67 when Jesus turned to the 12 specifically to say. In fact, when we look on, uh, on into verse 66, it says that many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. This is definitely not referring to the 12 because only one of them turned away in that sense. So when we look at this disciples, this group of disciples that he was referring to, more likely than not, this group of disciples he was referring to was those group of people that followed him after they saw the miracle which had happened. We start of uh, at the start of John chapter six verse one, 
about 5,000 people, or in fact, more than those people, more than that number of people who followed Jesus all the way to the synagogue at Capernaum. And so this is the group of disciples that have heard it. And so this is something that is rather interesting, first of all. Jesus calls them his disciples, yet Jesus recognized that some of them would turn away. You see, from the start, Jesus knew what Jesus would have done. And so in a very similar manner, Jesus knew that some of them would turn away from him. He calls them disciples nonetheless, but yet knowing that they had not been granted to him by the Father. And so in the same way as us today, many of us can call ourselves disciples, many of us can call ourselves Christians, many of us can call ourselves Christ followers. But yet, when times comes, when Christ tests us, are we true disciples or not? It will show ultimately, as you see in verse 66. But that is not the main point for today. The main point for today was that when the disciples heard it. Now, what did they hear? That is the question that we will ask ourselves. Of course, when we look at the text, uh, the text before this, we will see how Jesus mentions about uh, eating, about people eating him, you know, eating him as the bread, drinking of his blood, to partake in him, to have eternal life. This itself, as mentioned before, it might seem to a to a non-believer, a person who has not been chosen by God, as a parable. It might be misleading to them, which what happened, what is which is what is shown in verse fifty-two. Uh, where the Jews disputed among themselves, they did not understand this parable, they did not understand what Jesus was saying, and they misinterpreted and misunderstood what Christ was saying. And so that is the case here. Many of them heard it, they heard what Jesus was saying, and many of them did not understand it. Many of them thought that it was harsh also, and that's why it said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? Some of the translation for this, uh, this statement made by the made by the disciples were, this is a difficult saying. However, I would like to disagree because if you were to look into the original Greek context, the original Greek word itself, it means hard, not in the sense of difficult, but in a very, in the sense of harsh. It's a very harsh statement. It's a very strong statement that Jesus is making. But either way, it makes sense. Because first of all, it's difficult for the disciples or for the people to understand because this seems like a cannibalism to them. This seems as though Jesus caused them to eat of himself. It doesn't seem practical. It doesn't seem to make sense. In fact, it seems barbaric. But yet, Jesus caused them to do so. Why? As mentioned before, they did not understand. They think that it was a very tough saying to understand. And so they complain and they whine to say that this is a hard saying. In English, it works out. But yet, when we were to look into the original language, some of the translation called made it more clear. It says that this was a harsh saying. Now, why is it harsh if we were to think of it that way? See, throughout Jesus speaking to them, throughout this whole conversation that Jesus had with them, Jesus insisted that he is the bread of life. He is the source of life. He is where life must be found. And it's only through him where life could be found. So what does that imply? That implies that none of them right now in the synagogue has true life in them. It shows to them, to the Jews right now, seated right before Christ, that they did not have life. Now, there's two groups of people here. 
there are possible there's a possibility of two groups of people here. First, the Jews, the Jews that are very passionate about God, about Jehovah, about worshiping Jehovah. There's another group of people, the Greeks, who worship their own God, their own pagan God, who came to Jesus. Now, to either group, Jesus saying would have been harsh. First of all, to the pagans, they will be the least among the people, but yet they we cannot neglect them. Jesus spoke to them. Jesus told them that their religion is a false religion. They cannot find food. They cannot find life in their religion. Whatever they have believed in is a false religion. There's no place to find life except through Jesus Christ himself. It's offensive to them. And in a very similar manner, this will be offensive to the Jews also. The Jews themselves thinking by keeping the law, by keeping everything in the Torah, by worshipping God in the manner of the Torah, by coming to synagogue, by listening to their rabbi, by doing all this religious act, they can be saved by Jehovah Lord. But yet they misinterpreted the whole of scriptures. In fact, Jesus has quoted from the prophets as we see in verse 45. They would have taken offense to this because they would have thought that they had the right understanding, the right interpretation of the prophets. But yet Jesus comes along and says that, no, you got it all wrong. You must believe in me to have eternal life. You must partake of me. You must join me. You must be in union with me that you shall have eternal life. This is a harsh statement to them. This would be a task statement to them to accept and receive. Jesus was harsh towards them by telling them that their religion is false and points to the true religion which is found in himself. This is a very sad thing to see also in today's day and age. Jesus was bold to proclaim who he was. Jesus was bold to tell the mystics of the people. Jesus was bold to tell the mystics of the Jews. And yet today, we are shy. We are scared. We do not wish to offend people. We take up a stance of relativism, saying that all religion can be correct. We do not know the mysteries of the deities, the world beyond us. All of us can be correct. You know, living in a multi-religious, multi-multi-religious, multi-racial background society, we have gone cold. We're willing to accept whatever other people say to be true. You know, this is how often a conversation between a Christian and non-Christian turns out. Hey, I believe in Christ. Hey, I believe in Buddha. All right, cool. Uh, I think well, both of us could be correct. Maybe one of us is correct. Maybe both of us are wrong. That doesn't sound very Christian-like if you really think about it. A true Christian will stand here ground and say that I am correct. Not because I choose to be correct, not because I say the truth, but God showed it to me. It is God that is true. And hold on to truth that is found in Christ Jesus himself. But that is very important for us to recognize and that is very important for us to realize. And that's very important for us to think about also. Are we like the world to say that we accept all things? Are we standing by Christ to make harsh statements? 
We do not make harsh statements for the sake of making harsh statements. We do not make harsh statements for the sake of offending people because we find it fun to offend people, because we find it enjoyable to start offenses with people. No, but if you see what Christ is doing, Christ's purpose was to draw those people from that God, that God the Father has chosen out of this world. Are we having the same intent as Christ? Do we go out to proclaim the harsh message of Christ that whoever does not believe in Christ will be sent to hell? Will we do this for the sake of the elect, for the sake of those whom the Father is drawing out of the world? Is this a harsh statement? Yes. But is this a necessary statement? Yes. It's what God has caused us to do. In fact, this is what Christ has shown us that we should and we must do. As mentioned before, it's a very tough thing to say today. They go up to a person and say that if you do not believe in Christ, you are going to be sent to hell. People don't like this statement. This is what Christ is inferring here. But yet, we are called to say it. We have to say it in tears because this is the truth of the gospel. This is what we ought to bring to people. See, who can listen to it? This was the reply of the disciples. They took offense to it. They did take offense to it, many of them. They took offense to it and they turned back and no longer walked with him. They were unwilling to accept what Jesus has said, has spoken. Who can listen to it? Who in their right mind will listen to what Christ has spoken? This meal, this great meal that Christ has instituted in heaven, waiting for us to go, does not belong to everyone who lives on this earth. Who can listen to it? It's a good question. That question, the answer to that question is we do not know. God knows whom he has chosen from among the people, but we do not know. Nonetheless, we are called to preach the gospel and Christ, in fact, sorry, and God will bring those people through the gospel that we have spoken to Christ Jesus himself. Do we see our duty in this? Do we see that this is a hard saying that no, not many people will accept? Do we see that yet at the same time it is necessary for us to speak? Who can listen to it? God's people will listen to it. So that is verse 60. Then we come to verse 61. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples grumbling about this, said to them, First of all, Jesus knows his disciple, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this. Jesus doesn't just know when people boldly proclaim his name. Jesus doesn't just know about the Jews who outrightly ask the question. Jesus knows about this little minor grumbling of his disciples. Recognize that his disciples includes those that were turned away also. But Jesus knows that. You know, sometimes we wonder when will God take the separate the sheep and the goat for those people in the church. We wonder when will God's people be separate from non-God's people in the church, in people that we have. But yet, 
Do we ever realize that God knows who are the sheep and who are the goats? God knows who are the elect and who are the non-elect. He will pick them up himself. God knows the grumblings in the church. God knows the evildoers in the church. God knows everything that happens within his body, those that will attack him. In fact, God knows that Judas was among the 12 apostles. God's knowledge is infinite. God knows all these things. And yet, how often do we trust on God's knowledge? And yet, we try to act on our own. Look at David, when he was being chased by Saul. He submitted himself to God, knowing that God knows everything. He does not know his outcome. He just has to trust in God. God has his plan with Saul. If God wants David to be king, Saul would not be king. David knows that. And so David himself did not take into his own hands to kill Saul even when he had the chance to. He left it to God because he knows that God has a plan for David. David himself knows that and he entrusts himself fully to God. Do we as Christians do that also? Do we as Christians entrust ourselves to God as how David has done so? Now, Jesus knows the grumblings of the people, that there will be those who rejoice in hearing this message, and there will be those who grumble and murmur about whatever he says. And Jesus replied, do you take offense at this? Now, once again, when we see this, uh, see this statement being made by Christ, now we want to get understand that heart itself doesn't mean difficult to understand, but they understand it. In fact, they took offense to it. You see, first of all, we see how people, by their own willful mistakes, create offense to themselves. They take offense where there is none given and even make it where there is nothing to make it off. No, we, must, we may justly wonder that so much offense should be taken in the doctrine of Christ for so little cause. Christ speaks of it here with wonder. Do you take offense at this? How reasonable, unreasonable are your quarrels? Now, answer in, now, in answering to those who condemn his doctrine as metric and obscure, Jesus himself did not make an offense to people as how most people take it today. You know, many of them think that, oh, Christians are offensive, Christians are unwilling to accept this, unwilling to accept that, Christians are always judging people, etc., 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 the question is, why do you take offense at it? Why do people take offense at what Christ has done? Why do people take offense at the law of God? The answer is simple. It goes again, their nature to sin. They wish to do whatever they want to. God's law is perfect. And so God's law will be loved by people. But because of our sinful nature, we hate God's law. And in fact, we take offense at God's law. So whenever Christians speak to a non-Christian, whenever we set a standard of morality, whenever we say that this is wrong, that is wrong, by God's standard in the scriptures, people take offense to it. People say that, how can you be like that? Mm-hmm. And yet we dare to tell them that because we believe in the absolute God sets an absolute standard for us to follow by, to comply by, and that absolute standard is perfect. Why should we then take offense at it? 
This is the saddest thing about men in their nature. God's law is never meant to offend people. In fact, God's law was never offensive. How can God be offensive when He's perfect, all loving, graceful, or merciful? People take offense to it because of their own sinful nature and unwillingness to follow God. It's the same for us today also. Why is it not why is it offensive to tell people that they're going to go to hell? Because it is true. They do not wish to accept the truth. They rather live in the world that they themselves would dream of living in. They prefer to make their own gods and worship it. They prefer to go according to their own understandings besides from God's understanding, besides from the scriptures. You see, this is the world that we're living in today. If you have any conversation with anyone today and you ask this question, by what standard? Ultimately, the answer that you will receive is, is not from a Christian, it's by my own standard. Because I think of it that way. Because I believe it in that way. They take offense to whatever statement that we make. Because our standard is not in ourselves. It's not because we believe. It's because God said so. It's because the scripture says so and the scripture is God. The beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word itself is God. The word that we read, the word that we say, the word that we believe in, whether we believe it or not, it is God. It doesn't depend on man's belief but it depends on God alone. This is the saddest things and this is the saddest phenomenon that we see in the world today. Where is morality? Nowhere to be found in the secular world. We must find all these things in Christ. And if we take offense to it, repent. Because this is God's standard and we ought to live by it day in and day out. When we come before Christ in repentance, if we have ever offended Him, in fact, or even if we have taken offense by His laws, by not keeping it, by not loving it, by not embracing it. So with that, I will end the session off for tonight. I hope that we can continue contemplating about these things. And do not be dismayed, honestly, if we were to, be off if we were to offend people because they are not offended by what we say. Sorry, they are not offended by us in a way. But they are offended by the facts of what we say. It's because they choose not to follow God's law. They choose to live in lawlessness. Hence, people are offended. With that, I will close us in prayer. And uh, I hope that we can continue thinking about these things uh, tonight. Alright, so let me close us in prayer. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again Lord, for giving us today to look through John chapter 6. Father, help us to see, uh, to help us to see your word in it, Lord, to help us to understand what you are to teach us throughout this little discourse uh, between Christ and the disciples, Lord. Lord, and may you continue to teach us about your word, about though the words of yours is harsh, yet it is truth that we ought to preach. Lord, and may we not water down the gospel but speak the whole truth to the world that is perishing. Father, teach us, Lord, to speak with grace and mercy, Lord, towards these people. That those people whom the Father will draw to Christ, they may come to receive it, to believe in you. 
Thank you, Father, once again for this session tonight. We pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.